When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Screen Talk. I want to welcome our New York co-host, Rahel Tanzia. And we are fresh from all the fall film festivals. And we're going to run them down. We're going to go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we'll start with Ryan, because Ryan, you were in Venice. I did go to Venice. And you got to see all the good stuff out of there. What were the big hits for you and the misses? Yeah, um, that was my first time in Venice. It was a lovely experience. Did you ride Uh, a bicycle? I did not do the bicycle, but I saw, I now, next year, I have to do that because I ended up walking like 10 miles a day and it was very foolish. But um, yeah, it, it was an interesting festival because obviously it was a little bit light on celebrities. You know, you didn't get... Uh, you didn't necessarily, you didn't get Penelope Cruz like waving from a water taxi, but of course she actually could have attended because Ferrari had an um, interim waiver. And that was actually, that was the first movie that I saw. That was the very first press screening was Ferrari, which I liked well enough. It's very well done. Um, it sort of builds to this one sort of awful cataclysmic event. Um, we're talking Michael Mann. Yes. We're talking Adam Driver. Right. We're talking Neon picking it up for yes. December release. Yes. And this one, it does seem like it will be in the conversation, but I would say probably more on a crafts level. I mean, the the thing about the Adam Driver performance is that it sort of harks back to his House of Gucci role. Again, he's playing an Italian accent. Italian, and, the, and the accent is shaky and not perfect. It's not quite as bad as Shailene Woodley's spin on her accent. She plays um, she plays Enzo Ferrari's um side piece his mistress if you will with whom he has a love child in this whole other life and meanwhile you have penelope cruz who's very excellent and you know she being a spanish actress she already has an accent and sort of is convincingly european in this way um and she's very good as playing his jilted wife and she gets a lot of scenes where she's you know she's very grief stricken about the death of their son that happened a few years ago and her complicity in that you see an oscar nomination yeah for for sure absolutely for her but not for driver I don't know about for Driver. His performance is, it's not a particularly warm one. And I don't know if I see people necessarily connecting with his arc or with the movie. I mean, I think. Well, it's coming to the New York Film Festival, which is where I will see it, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's closing the, it's night. It's the closing night. Yeah. Um, so that sort of kicked off the festival for me. The the big hit that I think you would resonate with because you saw it at Telluride was Poor Things. No question. I mean, that is just, that it's is the one, best one. It is the best one. I mean, that is one of the best things out there. I honestly, I think I did. And it won the big prize in Venice. Yes, ab- absolutely. And I think that I was probably... In some ways, I was maybe high off the fervor of the festival and my own jet lag exhaustion because I, I ended up giving an A in my review and calling it an instant classic. I don't agree. Which, which I think is hard to deny. I mean, it just is such a beautiful, visionary, strange, extremely sexually graphic movie. And in fact, 
It's interesting. It's an R-rated movie, but I do think if like the sex were gay in the movie, it would be NC-17. It is there to that level of like Ken Russell, Marquis de Sade kind of depravity and sanity. I think more like Terry Gilliam, world building. That's, that is true you know, as well. A, a kind of uh, extraordinary heightened reality, which is one of the reasons I liked it so much. I think it's going to do so well with the Academy, with all the different crafts, as well as the actors, Emma Stone and the extraordinary Mark Mar Ruffalo. Yeah, the two of know. them will absolutely be nominated. <laughs> and I mean, she stands to possibly win another Oscar. Well, it could, it could happen. Yeah. It could happen. Yeah. I mean, there was some catching up that that I did in, in at Telluride with the zone of interest, which I think is going to continue to do very well and next week finally. through the festivals. Yep. Uh, it's just extraordinary, Jonathan uh, Grazer. It's it's amazing, and Sandra Huller is it's it's, it's amazing. Anatomy of a Fall, Sandra Huller again. It's going to keep moving forward. Um, Japan actually nominated Perfect Days, yes. which was a shock to me. A German director, Vim Vendors, didn't he didn't think it would happen. Wonderful uh, film, which I haven't seen, but I did see the Ryosuke Hamaguchi movie. I missed at, that at Venice. Um, that'll be that'll be in New York as well. It's very different from Drive My Car. I'm gonna catch up with it. Then. Yeah, yeah, and um, that one I don't. That wasn't in contention to be submitted anyway. You know, um, Janice Films and Saito are releasing it next year, and when it matters is when it opened in Japan. Right. Oh, that's right. Right. So that would be the question there. Um, and then uh, I caught up with Taste of Things, which used to be called the Pot of Foot, which right. is great fun. Yeah, also. I'm, I'm very excited about that one. So what were your other big hits out of Venice? Um, you know, Priscilla, actually, you have not seen, right? I, that's right. Priscilla okay. is, that's New York, too. Priscilla is wonderful. It is very much in line with the sort of... Um, female subjectivity movies that we are used to from Sofia Coppola. It's a lot like Marie Antoinette. It even has some resonance with um, loss in translation and centering on um, Priscilla Presley really sort of marooned in Graceland. You know, she meets uh, Elvis in West Germany when they're very young and, you know, he marries her very young and she um, and he sort of wants her to be this Madonna figure like they don't even have sex until like well into their marriage. He wants her preserved some way and she's like desperate to have sex. I mean, that is what a lot of what the lot of the movie is about. And so it's yeah, it's really about her sort of um, coming to terms with herself within the walls of this place that he has put her in. Um, I read a lot of the reviews and it, it sounds like it sounds, some people were mixed on it, but I can't wait to see it. It sounds like one of her better movies. I think, that, I think that it is. And, you know, for me, the reviews were mixed, including our own critic, David Ehrlich, who is a huge Sofia Coppola fan. Her. I know. And he was not so hot on it. And so my expectations were low. And I saw it at the um, the actual the 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 not the first press greeting, but the premiere sitting in the Sala Grande. Um, you know, Priscilla Presley was there, Jacob Elordi, Kaylee Spaney, and of course, Sofia Coppola, because they were all able to be there because they had a waiver. Um, it's just a beautiful movie and just gorgeous to look at. And, you know, it has, I think, one of the best uh, cinematic recreations of um, an LSD experience that I have seen in, in a movie, you know. So. Well, well, well. And what <laughs> What else? The Killer you saw. The Killer, yeah. The Killer is uh, Fincher. Fincher, Fincher, and Michael Fassbender is playing this contract killer. Uh, it starts out in Paris, but of course it's sort of a globe-trotting story. Um, he's very meticulous in his methods. He is this killing machine who never makes any mistakes. And then one sort of errant thing goes wrong, and it just sends his entire world off its axis. And he's 
flying, going from New Orleans to South America and sort of cleaning up this mass that he has made. Um, it's very much a sort of minor genre exercise. Um, Fincher's even referenced the Soderbergh movie Haywire as kind of an influence for it. And if you remember that, it was, you know, it was a very well done tight action thriller, but didn't really have you know, monumentous aspirations this beyond that. This doesn't sound like an Oscar movie no, to me. No, I would say that I it want is. I want to see uh, it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, I like I like his filmmaking, obviously. That's always a, a good thing. Um, so at Telluride, we saw Teacher's Lounge, which is the German entry, which is excellent, about a teacher played by uh, this new German actress who's who's very good. Um, and then there's uh, Pigeon Donald, the Errol Morris, John Le Carre documentary, which I loved. And we'll see if that gets into the Oscar race. Saltburn, the Emerald Finale, which I did not care for that much. I haven't seen it, but uh, people seem to not love that one. It and... goes back and forth. It's it's a crowd pleaser. There's no question audiences enjoy it. It's just a question of whether it stays in your mind for five minutes. It's just one of those things that's well well made and, and well acted, certainly. Um, uh, Jacob Elordi's in there too, and he does great. And so, so does Barry Keegan, you know, and so, so is Rosamund Pike, but it's, um, it's, it's a sort of ephemeral. Uh, it doesn't last. Um, All of Us Strangers, which I know you're probably looking forward Seeing to. Seeing that next week, dying, dying to see that. Yeah, yeah it's I'm Andrew Hayek's movie. Yeah. It's a, a gay romance. It's it's a ghost story as well. It's very good. Uh, Nyad uh, is is okay. Yeah, crowd pleaser. Again, I, I use the word crowd pleaser when it's a movie that plays for the audience and isn't necessarily um, a big Oscar contender. You know, they, they, they set up these standards that you have to meet at this time of year and that one doesn't quite make it i mean i haven't seen it but that's one where they're saying just give her the oscar at this point i mean this is this will be overdue that's right this will be her fifth nomination there's no hillary swank to contend with this year so she's not gonna lose again to her as she has twice already a lot of people are into jodie foster as well so the, the the two actors could come through um in that case uh and then there's this great uh, Danish movie. They haven't put it up yet for um, for the Oscars, as far as I know. The Promised Land, the Nicolaj Arstel, which was but, yeah. the director of Royal Affairs. So it's a reunion with Mads Mikkelsen, and Mads Mikkelsen does the most extraordinary minimal performance. You know, again, you know that he always does. Little flicks of things happen on his face, and you know what he's thinking. If you ever watched Hannibal when that was on TV, that is what that entire performance as Hannibal Lecter is about. It's these subtle modulations that he does. So when I got well. to Toronto, I caught up with Royal Hotel from Kitty Green, which is fantastic and, and uh, taut and tight. And, uh, you know, these two women are way the hell in the outback. And they they really don't know what they're getting in for. They're running a bar. <laughs> and it's uh, it's scary. It's 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 but they're tough. They're tough. We're rooting for them. The Monk and the Gun I loved from the guy who did Lunana, the Yak in the Classroom. That's a sales title. I hope somebody I think that one is in the running. I think people are are, are looking to buy that. I think someone will pick that up. Um, but there are a lot of other ones that are sort of iffy, like Lee, which I saw. The Ellen Curris, the cinematographer, directs this movie starring Kate Winslet as the photographer Lee Miller, who went and shot World War II as a woman at that time. That wasn't a normal thing to do. They let her, the Americans let her go to the front line and shoot. And she shot a lot of horrific things. And and the um, I guess the critical uh 
knock on the movie is that it's kind of a standard issue biopic uh, thing. And I would say, yes, if there's a problem with it, it's probably the structure and the narrative structure and the script, therefore. Yeah. Kate Winslet's done a number of these period standard biopics where she still outshines the material. I mean, if there's a woman to call to sort of anchor this kind of movie, she's the one she to do drove it. The train. She drove the train on this. She developed it. She hired Helen Curris, who did a great job. It's not, it's the script if there's a if there's an issue there. And I'm curious to see because some of these movies have to get picked up. They have to be released. Somebody's got to show them. And I don't know when that's going to happen for Lee. Um, you know, another one that I wanted to mention that also is on the hook for distribution that I really liked a lot at Venice um, and that also played Tiff was Memory, the Michelle Franco film. Can't wait to see that. With Jessica Chastain and Peter Sarsgaard, who won the Volpe Cup for Best Actor in Venice. And it is, I don't know, how, I don't, you don't strike me as a big, someone who would be a big Michelle Franco fan. Yeah. You, oh, you are. Oh, good. He's a Mexican director. Yeah. And I like his yeah. last word. Um, and, and I don't, I hate putting this way because it's so reductive, but he is sort of like the Mex, Mexico's answer to a Michael Hanukkah type, right? Who does oh, these very of, rigorous and he, very political. Yeah. And this movie is really an undoing of that. And he really is um, uh, opening his heart to his characters more, I would say, you know, so Jessica Chastain plays this um, 13 year sober alcoholic who um, is at a high school reunion that she doesn't want to be at. And Peter Sarsgaard, one of her former classmates, follows her home. And what seems like it will be sort of a creepy stalking, then turns sort of Me Too revenge kind of story. It really becomes about these broken people that come together um, and fall in love. I mean, it's really a romance. It's it's a really beautiful movie that I think actually, if it had the right distributor, would be involved in some awards, even on the indie side. Now, the question that's going to be on everyone's mind is who picks up these movies? When do they get released? Are they even capable of being released quickly enough with enough support to even be in the Oscar race? My guess is that a lot of these movies will get picked up and come out next year. Um, I mean, there's so much going on with the strikes and this kind of glut of material that's going to hit everything in December, assuming the strikes are resolved by then. I mean, we don't know anything, no. you know, it's it's a it's really a I mean, some of the movies I did not care for included The Critic, which is uh, stars Ian McKellen and Gina. What's her name? Gemma Arterton. Mm. And whenever she's in a movie, I think it's going to be bad, basically. <laughs> and and I was right. The other movie that played uh, Toronto, big crowd pleaser again, uh, mainstream crowd pleaser and Searchlight's going to milk it and get it out into commercial theaters is Next Goal Wins, which is the Taika YTT comedy, sports comedy, generic sports comedy. And Michael Fassbender unaccountably cast as the coach of this movie. I, I, he's like so miscast. I, every, it was like, I was looking at the movie and every time he was in the frame, I'm like, you shouldn't be here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't buy him as a sort of Ted Lasso type when he's kind of what it's That's supposed exactly to be, right? right. Yeah. And, and somebody a little warmer, a little funnier would have been very good. And it, it was supposed to be Russell Crowe, but he couldn't run apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so Russell Crowe Perfect for this, you know, cr a real crank, a real alcoholic crank, yeah. you know, an asshole, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and I like Michael Fassbender. I mean, he's not, he, um, I saw the Roger Ross Williams documentary stamped from the beginning, which is a Netflix film. And it's, uh, it's about racism and he uses art, beautiful art, all these different pictures, all these different things that he found. And as a way of telling this story, he has a lot of talking heads, lots of smart people 
explaining part of how uh, we got to where we are today. It's actually really strong and powerful. Um, and uh, one of the other uh, titles that isn't going to, um, it hasn't sold yet called The Dead Don't Hurt, which is a Western Vigo Mortensen directing Vicky and Pierce. starring and Vicki Pierce. We love of course. And, um, and she's great and it kind of steals it, but it's actually sort of a standard issue Western with the, you know, the asshole from the town who's killing people and getting away with it because his rich father enables him, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but she plays a very strong woman who absolutely perseveres and gets through. It um, wasn't, it was not well received in Toronto, but she was, you know, as adverse she is. And, and yeah. Vigo's very good in it too. Um, the other big hit out of Toronto was Dumb Money, which I adored. Craig Gillespie's movie. Uh, again, a mainstream crowd pleaser, not an, an Oscar contender necessarily, but all the actors are great. Paul Dano, fantastic um, is it Dano or Dano? Dano. I always mispronounce his name. So one of the great things that happened on the last night that I was in Toronto was the Talking Heads reunited right in front of me. And I was a huge, huge Talking Heads fan. This is for the Jonathan Demme documentary, Stop Making Sense concert film, classic film. And we, from like 1983, and we um, were part of this IMAX restored. They fixed all the music, all the sound. Jerry Harrison, one of the man members, was involved in the technology and everything that they had to do. And there was David Burt and Jerry Harrison and Chris France and Tina Weymouth. And, and they were all there looking good. And uh, interviewed by Spike Lee. David Burns, old, old pal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly yeah. from American Utopia. So then we had we had the uh, but during the movie, right, which is this extraordinary concert, which is as modern and fresh and fabulous as the day it happened. Everybody got a lot of people got up and danced, including me early. But you're in an IMAX theater, so the rake is bad. <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> but it was fine. Uh, I, I stayed on my feet. It, it was fine. And it was an extraordinary night. And then I got to go to a party and talk to David Byrne. And I'm going to talk to them later and write it up and do a whole feature on it. That's about it for me. What what else did you see that you want to talk about? Um. Well, well, there's one that maybe we should talk about that I saw in Venice that... Um, I abhorred, um, but I but its director does not really care what you think about it anyway, and it's not an awards movie either. Is Agro Drift, the Harmony <laughs> Corin film that um, dumping on uh, Eric's movie? I'm, but I think they're fine with that. I think they are stoked by this kind of divisive reaction. Um, it is an 80 minute movie that at once feels too short but also too long, um, and it is about a sort of hitman. Uh, having an existential crisis in in Florida, which is you know Harmony's favorite uh, sandbox to play in, uh, it shot in infrared. It's like eighty minutes of women twerking and demon masks, and uh, yeah, the audience. It's funny. I went to the first press screening and it was quite full, and then by the end there was was half full. People were li literally leaping out this of their seats to get out do, of it uh, with Harmony Korean movies. <laughs> yeah, um, it is not for you. He lost me at Gummo, and I never went back. That's how long ago uh, he lost me. 
and I see I quite like Gummo. You know, I, I like the old days of Harmony Corin. Uh, and we we wish the best for Eric. And we I do. like it's a and I run into him a lot in Toronto. He's he looks happy. He's he's oh, taking meetings and wearing new clothes. wearing and wearing yes, yes, he's wearing new clothes <laughs> and he's wearing the mask. Um, <laughs> he's still on social media sharing everything that he's doing. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I saw in Toronto was the holdovers which is the Alexander Payne. I was in Telluride too. And I had heard good word on it. People were really uh, being uh, positive about it. And it looks on the outside like a sort of a heartwarming Christmas movie about a curmudgingly professor. This is played by Paul Giamatti, who was in Sideways. And uh, he has a bunch of students that he has to look after over the holidays. And it is so good. That's how it is. It is edgy and tough and authentic and smart. And it makes you cry. I mean, everyone is really high on that one as this sort of Hal Ashby 70s kind of throwback sort of movie. Well, it's set back in the period. And it's it's also this young man, Dominic Sessa, who's quite good, could could emerge from this. Um, a real discovery. Uh, One of those things where he's playing an asshole, but you like him anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, any pain movie is certainly one to consider in the award season, unless you're a, a, a downsizing. A yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's coming back from downsizing. Yeah. That yeah. is the that is the idea. Um, so that that one really uh, that one really made me happy. Uh, oh, and the boy and the heron was extraordinary. The Miyazaki. Dying to see that opening yeah. night, Toronto, Full House, the comeback of Miyazaki, the the extraordinary handling of nature and magic. And uh, this young boy who's quite a hero and gets through. Uh, it's it's beautiful. Are, are you finding that it's um, harder to get uh, excited about the Oscars and prognosticating them uh, when the industry is in such a tenuous phase right now and we don't know where any of things are any of these things are going or you know what's happening or you know the fate of all these movies feels unresolved and hopeless in some ways well i wouldn't put it that way i would say that the that the purpose of these festivals is to create buzz and to and to launch these various people into into their zone of contention if you will and we are doing that i mean we you and i are doing that right now um, it, 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 it will not be noisy until the strikes are over and then it will be very noisy. There will be a lot of noise and there's plenty of time for that. Think about it. I mean, December, January, February, March, there's time. Yeah. I mean, you know, like for example, poor things, uh, searchlight was supposed to release that was originally going to release last Friday. And now that's not happening until December 8th. And I'm disappointed because I'm just, I'm dying to share that movie with people and talk to them about it. And so now we have to wait a few more months, but I still think that's one that if the strikes are over by then we have Emma Stone, who's able to, that's, what, they, and that's so forth. what they need. Like that's one that I think will really stir. Well, I think Lee needed up. Kate Winslet. That's and in many yeah. different ways, yeah. it needed Kate Winslet to be to be there. And, so it's, and there were a lot of different cases of like like Ethan Hawke and Maya Hawke and Laura Linney were running around with this title Wildcat, which is for sale. The uh, Flannery O'Connor story. And and they were doing tons of press and they had a waiver and, and they went for it or or a, an interim agreement. Right. Which right. Is what we're supposed to say. Yes. But I was talking to. Um, the SAG after a negotiator, Duncan uh, Crabtree Ireland, and he he was explaining that a lot of the actors are uncertain about what they're supposed to do. 
and and they should there if they get the interim agreement to in either in production or in promotion they're allowed to to do it they're allowed to talk about the movie uh but a lot of them don't want to a lot of them feel gun, gun shy about it right and that's right and they feel like they're not standing in solidarity with their other actors by doing this at all but it is within the you know it is within no, the they want supported to by SAG, this alternative know? universe where all these indie neon a24 you know all these other movies are moving forward with with the deal and and doing their thing and putting pressure I, on the studio. I mean, a really great example of this is not to, not to talk about Jessica Chastain and Michelle Franco again. I had a great inter- interview with them the other day about memory. And then now they've actually are they already shot a whole other movie over uh, the summer in San Francisco done on an interim agreement. The, the script is non WGA. They employed like over a hundred people on the set and everything. So it is, it can happen. It is possible. It's an interesting time with all the, these talk shows going back to work. It's a very yeah. interesting situation. Um, and then the other uh, thing going on is this whole rotten tomatoes uh, imbroglio. So there's a story in Vulture, and uh, they basically uh, revealed that there is an organization that just if if somebody has bad reviews and they want to improve them, you hire them and they'll bring in all these critics to give you good reviews. Yeah, it's called Bunker 15 and they literally will pay, you know, it's it's chump change, but they will pay these sort of freelance writers i would even say amateur writers they, they seem like they are at least not credentialed in any way to uh bump up bump up score by giving a positive review you know or it, it even can be like a sort of middling review it can be sort of mediocre whatever it p- sort of pushes it into the fresh freshness of the score. well i don't know about you but i don't take rotten tomatoes seriously i really haven't for a long time i use metacritic metacritic is much more yes. reliable and i would i would suggest to everyone but that's what you should do as well. I mean, one of the talking heads in that Vulture story was Paul Schrader. So it's like if you have him bashing your website, he's one of the smartest people around. So there maybe is some cause for an internal reflection. No, but I mean, there's there's real critics still doing good work. You're one of them. And, you know, we can all find them and we can trust them. And these, you know, the whole aggregating idea is is alien to me. But I I recognize I go, I look at Metacritic and I see what their ratings are. And I often use it for uh looking at the Oscars, because if it's in the 70s or 80s, you're in good shape. And if it's not, if you're below that, it's it's not a good thing. But these are real numbers as opposed to what Rotten Tomatoes is That's doing. Right. It's interesting. They how... have a very short list of like 30 top critics that they're that are vetted and 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 absolutely uh worth paying attention to. There was some piece of that article where someone said how it used to be that a bunch of three-star reviews of a movie was the kiss of death out of a festival. And now that's okay because that will get that 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 could mean like a hundred percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's just it's it's crazy. Meaningless. Yeah, Absolutely. it is very arbitrary. All right. Well I think we've we all right. So let's look at New York. New York uh, film festival coming up end of the month. And we're going to catch up with a few things. I'm going to catch up, as I said before, with a few things there. What are you looking forward to? Well, you know, this reminds me of one we didn't talk about at all, but I guess you haven't seen it as Maestro. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. And that'll, so and that, go that. catch up there. I've seen so that. talk about Maestro. Yeah, Maestro um, is interesting <laughs> with that one. Um, they sort of, uh, in recent months, and you've mentioned this on previous podcasts, they kind of flipped the marketing to make it more about Carrie Mulligan. She's the one on the poster. 
she's got top billing in the trailer. I understand there's a reason for that. Yeah, she really is. She does sort of walk away with the movie. He's very good as well, but... um, Where do you come down on the nose? The nose is just... It's an unnecessary appendage, and it does it doesn't it it prevents you from forgetting that it's in fact Bradley Cooper that you are looking at. And so I think, and the other thing about Maestro is that he was not welcomed into the director circle. He wasn't nominated for a Star Is Born, and it does seem like the Academy has some skepticism toward actors that suddenly, you know, there are high expectations. Some actors do very well, and I think a lot of people respect Bradley Cooper. Um, you know, I think they recognize what a good job he did with A Star is Born. It's just that it didn't get the Oscar. Yeah. I mean, it, it got other things. It got song. <laughs> I mean, Netflix is going to be pushing this one very hard. And I definitely, I can see it getting a raft of nominations. I mean, the crafts element of it is just impact. Can't wait to see it. No, I can't wait to see it. So what else are we looking at for, for New York? Well, New York is going to be also, you know, the Zone of Interest will do its New York premiere. We talked about that one. So Fallen Leaves will be one Fallen of the ones leaves. I want to see, which is from Cannes. And it's the Karismaki from Finland. And it's the end from finland and it just got great great reviews good word of mouth on that one yeah yeah i'm excited to catch up with that one too but then yeah we have ferrari closing so oh. the opening night of the new york film festival is todd haynes may december you're not natalie, your favorite movie <laughs> natalie portman and julianne moore that's another this is one of those things where you you it's the time of year where i look at things with oscar glasses and if it doesn't measure up to that standard then I'm a little disappointed if it's been hyped up a lot. And it was hyped up a lot. And it was the whole point of it is that Netflix picked it up in Cannes for the purposes of putting it into the Oscar race. You know, it was that team that, that went for it. So it's a question of whether they can get Natalie Portman in and Julianne Moore into the Oscar race. I'm very excited about that one. I wasn't a Cannes, but, you know, I'm a gay man. It's Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman, and Todd Haynes. I mean, there's nothing about that that I won't completely relish we shall see we shall see uh all right well okay we may come back next week actually but during the festival we're also going to do a live screen talk looking uh, forward to that on october 13th that's right (laughs) and then later that night i'm going to the um the opening night of the eras tour movie like immediately after (laughs) (laughs) all right ryan it's fun Bye. bye